Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Glam Mirror. Hi, I'm Dr. Tavisa Mir, and you are joining me for Glam Mirror. I am a cosmetic dermatologist here to uplift, inspire, educate, and talk about all things beauty from the skin to the soul. This is Glam Mirror. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year, and welcome back to another episode of Glam Mirror with me, Dr. Tabasum Mirror. And today, we're going to be talking about something that's probably going to make me blush. We're going to be talking about erotic love. But this is different than what you guys are probably thinking, because a lot of what you think of with erotic love it has to do with outside marriage, like maybe filthy novels, etc., etc. So I want to introduce to you two amazingly unique and dynamic and beautiful people, Ron and Patty Marinari. Welcome. Hi. Hey, welcome. thanks for having us. I Thank just you. want to give a little bit of a background. You guys have been married 30 years and you have five kids? Yes. How is that possible? I, I like babysitting at two of my nieces and I want to pull my hair out. Hmm. First few years, I was a zombie. Yeah? <laughs> well, <laughs> you're stunning. You guys are a stunning oh, thank couple. You. Um, you. you guys have created something called Marriage University. And I kind of want to give the listeners a little bit of feedback and I'm going to let you guys take it from there. This is not marriage counseling. From what I understand, this is you know, you take care of your health, you take care of your car, you take care of your finances. People often are married years and they don't take care of their marriage and all of a sudden they're heading towards a da- downward spiral. So this is before therapy. This is kind of like yes. counseling all the way through. Yeah. Well, you know, the background to that is we, we're still pastoring. We're pastors. And so we've been doing that for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Same church for 25. And so we did counseling, as you just mentioned marriage counseling all those years and you always get somebody like in the bottom of the ninth inning with two outs nobody's on base and the worst hitter is up and you just feel terrible you know especially when it's someone that is a friend or someone that's been in your church for many years and you've and it's hard to see them kind of lose that it's devastating and and unfortunately in the church people hide it there Mm. was just a new uh, survey that was taken and and they just they just have a tendency of not coming out with their pain Mm -hmm. So by the time they get to the pastor, it's really late in the game. So very few, if any, marriages are saved at that point. Counseling, marriage counseling, even when I outsource it to really qualified therapists and counselors, yeah, it's it's too little, too late, right? And it kind of verifies that your marriage is over because you've been doing the wrong thing. And there's such a stigma behind it. I mean, I don't think it's a big deal to get counseling, but oftentimes in a, in, a, in a couple, there's always one person that feels that it's a stigma to go and get counseling done. Right. So we're talking about getting ahead of that. 
that's that, and that's where mm -hmm. Marriage University really began, mm -hmm. because we felt like I'm just gassed out. Some of our very close friends went through divorce but that we would spend holidays with every year. It was just as devastating to our children as to us. And finally, we just sat down and said, "Let's work the front end." Yeah, you know. So now we have over 30 years of marriage. We have a lot of experiences. We've been through the hills and the valleys. Let's try to work the front end. So that's where it was created in birth. And so we said, "Well, let's coach and mentor younger couples up front." and help them, mm -hmm. just even instill in them some really solid foundational concepts so that in the years to come, at least they'll have kind of like a, a road marker. Oh, yeah, I remember hearing that. I remember doing that. And, right. and take like a year with them and just kind of tutor them and get close to them and communicate with them what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, and try to help them to prevent that casualty. Well, I've also kind of done a little bit of research. You guys kind of give tips on how couples can kind of remember to flirt with each other, yes. to accept, like, to remember to be nice to each other. I think I saw a video where you text something to the, the gentleman saying, yeah. tell your wife that you'd marry her all over again, kind of things right. like that to, to mm -hmm. people. Yeah, so that's part of the process. Right. You know, when someone decides to make that step and enroll, they pick one of our programs, one of our memberships, and from there, you know, they take a marriage entry test, and we evaluate it, we sit down, we find out where they are in every area. It's really detailed, yeah. so we know exactly where they are and how they got there. And then we either Skype, Mm -hmm. or we do a phone conference, or we meet them in person. And then from there, you know, we create a love map for them. Now, before we get on to the book, I want to ask, can divorced mm -hmm. couples join up? Absolutely, and, mm -hmm. and, and couples that are in relationship can. And what about other faiths? Absolutely, and that's so, part of the entrance test. Okay. If someone is of no faith, we're going to handle them differently yeah. than if someone is in very like constant, current, mainstream faith. And we know that up front because mm -hmm. we want to help them. Yeah. You know, we don't want to burden them. We don't want to put more pressure on them. We want to take it off, so we want to know exactly where they are. Well, most couples are uh, seekers of the spiritual. Yeah. So, and we really promote spiritual oneness. Not, it's not just about a faith. It's really spiritual oneness. Right. You know, in the in the bedchambers and in our marriage. Which is what brings me to your book. The book is called Bedchambers, mm -hmm. and it is a marital obsession with erotic love and spiritual oneness. Mm -hmm. This book is really different. Um, no, I'm just saying because when you read it, you assume it's going to be like out of marriage kind of you know, cosmopolitan kind of tips, but you realize it's very faith-based. Yeah. Um, what was your inspiration? Hmm. Well, we, we've been studying the Song of Songs, which this book, Bedchambers, is based off of. Okay. For as long as we've known Patty each just other. Went, hmm. <laughs> yeah. well, well, you know, we've been practicing, um, you know, uh, instilling into one another um, the importance of sex in right. our, ever since you know for 30 years mm -hmm. so and then you know it, it, as we became pastors and we started doing conferences and then we had our own television show you know for eight for eight seasons right and you know we did you know travel around the country and abroad you guys into Europe. you were speakers as mm -hmm. well so right. you were taking this out on the and road. a lot of this right. was on television so we did a lot of like yeah. marriage conferences 2002 yeah but we just felt we wanted to put it into writing right Right, and we did a lot of marriage conferences, and basically, our you know our text was always Song of Solomon. 
Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So this is where it was. I just want to remember the name of your show. You had it on for eight seasons. One flesh. One flesh. That's right. Yeah. I remember it was a great name. Yeah. So the Song of Solomon. Can you give me a little bit of a background of what that is? If I didn't know, if our viewers um, don't know. The Song of Solomon. Mm-hmm. The Song of Solomon's about three thousand years old. It was written by Solomon, King mm-hmm. Solomon. It was written from him, by him to another woman. Who the woman is is speculative. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I take a stab at it in the book and define her as Abishag. Mm-hmm. And so it is like a poetic song written back and forth. They're talking to one another. Mm-hmm. It almost didn't make it into the Old Testament, which is a Hebrew Bible. It didn't make it in, almost make it into the New Testament. And actually some of the early church fathers said, don't read it and don't talk to anybody that read it. Because it was really about a person to a person. Right. And so Jewish tradition kind of allegorizes it mm-hmm. and says it's from it's about God to Israel. And the Christian community allegorizes it and they say it's it's about Jesus to the church. But originally it was written about sex right. and hot sex. And it's really kind so. of interesting because sex <laughs> is still very taboo in almost every religion. You don't talk about it. Absolutely. And you guys talk about it. Absolutely. And and, and, and we real we didn't, <laughs> we, like I said, we had a show mm-hmm. in 2002 that aired, and it aired all over the country. And we got a lot of calls from people that were disenchanted by what we were saying. But it's been a long time since we kind of like revisited this. Right. So when we put the book out initially, and as you can see, it's faith-based. Yeah. And to our total surprise, the church went on lockdown again. They did. Yeah, yeah more, more so really? than 2002. So it's still more. It's still considered Worse. taboo to talk about it. Why Worse. Why has it got to be so secretive? It's almost like you have to be ashamed to well, admit as a married couple you can do things together. I think because we live in a pornographic society and more than we did in 2000, okay. 2002. Right. So the association with anything that sounds erotic or pleasurable well, or sexual. Well, that yes, word. Is all of a sudden it scares people and they think, okay, well, that's, that must be porn or that must yes. be dirty or that must be shameful and right. we can't do that. So, you know, they, they disassociate themselves from that. But that's a danger in that because a lot of people, and we know this from being pastors, hide in the church and are addicted or visit porn yeah. like frequently mm. but well I read I think it was in your book that 50% of Christians admit to having a porn what was it it's, it's higher in fundamentalists okay yes. like that, in other it, words like I don't want to say people that are more oppressive yeah. in religion the numbers go up yeah well I also and I don't want to quote anything because I don't remember the exact numbers but the highest amount of online pornography tends to be in the most fundamental countries yeah you know so it's out there no one's talking about it obviously and yeah. it's the most basic thing that you know we do so that was a surprise to us but the double surprise really was that all of a sudden people that were not considered traditional mainstream faith people mm-hmm. were really eating the book up. Wow. And it was almost it was almost kind of maybe it has to do with kind of the era that we're living in mm-hmm. where people just want to hear the truth. Just yes. tell me what the heck is going Seekers on. Seekers of truth. Yes. You know, and I don't care who you are, even how you say it. I mean, we, we see that now with the election. Who cares how you say it? Say what people aren't saying. Right. So to our surprise, a lot of people that were not mainstream faith were grabbing the book. Mm-hmm, and right. as you know, or I think you do, that um, Farah Abraham got her hands on it. Yeah, I did. And that. Yeah. she... I've, I've talked to Farah a lot. In, she in called us. She had us on her station when she was doing the Sexpo in the UK. Yeah. 
and we did a radio thing with her and talked about the book. Yeah. And I was really surprised with my first introduction, both of us in talking with her, uh-huh. how, you know, and, and how she knew what she was talking about yeah. beyond the book, right. like scripturally. Farah is very religious. That's I what mean, we found I, I, out. I, I yeah. have to tell you, like, I've spent time with her through our mutual friend, Johnny mm-hmm. Donovan, who we have to give props to today. But she is very spiritual, very religious. And we found that out. Yeah. And she loved the book. Yeah. And so she wanted to promote the book. Which is great. And that was totally opposite for when we sat down and wrote it last November. Right. That we were thinking that. We were thinking that someone in the church would promote it. And actually, we first gave it to Thomas Nelson Publishers, Mm -hmm. which is the biggest Christian publishing company in the nation. They said no. They said no, and they knocked it down. Yeah. They wanted us to change words. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Talking all things beauty from the skin to the soul. This is Glam Mirror with Dr. Taba Samir. Let me talk about something I read in there yeah. that I want you guys to expand on. And I, w- sure. I want to ask advice because I think that 30 years of marriage, five kids, there's so much I want to ask you guys. I've never been married so I need to learn now, okay? Um, you say sex can be a blessing if handled biblically, passionately, and appropriately. I think that's a really powerful um, statement. And I, I just would like for you guys to expand on where that came from. That statement is actually the, the premise of the whole book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Spiritual oneness um, is a blessing. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're made of body, soul, mind, and we're, we're spiritual beings. And so when we come together with all those those three parts and we bring God into the atmosphere, it's a blessing. Mm-hmm. Marriage and sex, and erotic sex, it is a blessing. And um, we, tr- we really try to instill in one another and we try to be kind to one another and we, we um, try to balance our, not just outside, of the bedchambers, but inside the bedchamber, we tried to balance how to please one another, how to be kind, how to um, be selfless, how to be uh, um, humble. We're very, you know, we try to walk in humility with with one another and each other's needs. Yeah, and so that's where the blessing comes from. I think mm-hmm. I think yeah. To add to that, which is really good, those those three parts. You know, walking in love, and generally speaking, you know, there's three types of love. I mentioned them in the book. I mentioned four, but three that are really outstanding, mm-hmm. which is like unconditional love that right. like a parent has for their kid. You, right. you know, it doesn't matter what they do, you're going to love them. Yeah. You know, it's like God ha- loves us no matter what, yeah. right? Then there's friendship love right. that you kind of like have to, you know, also develop. And sometimes your friend is hanging out with somebody else and you feel like, aren't you my friend? Yeah. You know, and you have these feelings and you have to work through that. And then there's erotic love. Mm-hmm. All three of them are forms of love. But I think that most times people just look for the unconditional love or the friendship love. So you'll hear it said, oh, we have a chemistry with him or her. I have a chemistry. Yeah. Well, well, that means that you have a, yeah you have an emotional <laughs> attachment with them. That's Actually, great. I never say that anymore. But I yeah. mean that's great. And then and then in the chemistry maybe something happens and they right. hurt you. And so then mm-hmm. you need to like decide like am I going to be their friend? Am I going to turn friendship love on? Am I and then am I going to like forget this what happened and love them unconditionally? Right. Well, erotic love is a form of love that's ignored. It's 
the sexual people are afraid. side of things. Exactly. Yes. Right. And it can be spiritual in the same way that unconditional love can be well, can and be, friendship love it can, can be. It's spiritual based on the emotional connection you have with each other. That and being very selfless, like she selfless. said. Selfless. Yes. It's not about with us you know, initially, mm -hmm. we didn't get here in a week. Right. We knew each other for two and a half months and then we got married. Wow. So that's a whole story yeah. for another show. Okay. But that's a good what start. happened was that over the years, we learned that it isn't necessarily always about what I want. Mm -hmm. It's what do you want? Right. And then as, as I serve her and mm -hmm. as I try to meet her needs, every need, emotional need, spiritual need, sexual need, I find out that that's really hard. Mm-hmm. And that takes a selfless life. Right. I, and I'm hoping that she recognizes the value of me doing that. And if she does, she'll reciprocate that back yes. to and me. And that's a lot of what we miss nowadays. I, when I, I'm dating, and in the dating world, it's always one way or the other. Most of the time when some things go wrong, it's because the other person isn't reciprocating whatever kind of affection you're giving yes. back. Either it can be as little as a text message or, or so much more like, you know, yes. whatever, cooking dinner. The reason it doesn't work out is somebody forgets to reciprocate. But that happens in marriages. Like Absolutely. you're married, what, three, four, five years I want to talk about that because what are um, oh gosh there's so much first thing I want to say what kind of I'm gonna ask you and then you what are qualities that women want in men and either one of you guys can take this I guess after I ask the question it's not really for one or the other I would say okay that it's complicated yeah because every man and woman are different now mm -hmm. People listening to me may take this the wrong way, but right. I think women are a little bit more complicated than men are. Right. That's my opinion. So when I look at my wife, she's like a fingerprint. And so it's like, if I really want to win her, I have to find the roadmap to do that. Right. And, and you have that, to work for that, it. Yeah, and you have to figure it out. It's like even in the bedchamber. Yeah. It's like some people are on the expressway, some people are taking the back road, some people are parked on the shoulder. And as a it's woman, like, you can change your mind every day. And so, <laughs> you know, a guy has to figure out how am I going to get to her, mm -hmm. right? And so it's it's a hard question in that I think that each woman may desire different things, but I think ultimately there are some things that stand out. Out, they want a guy that's kind yeah even if he's a bad boy they want yeah. a form of kindness yes. to him you know and, and 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 a man has to get past their ego and deliver that a okay. lot of guys are in their ego yeah. and they can't deliver the kindness they can't have chivalry they can't do those things because they're in their ego I don't see any depth of relationship there and also I feel like in today's society men's roles have become more feminized like they don't necessarily practice chivalry they want to be pursued more yeah so that's changed a lot of the roles and the dynamics yeah well that's i true. mean society has changed and that's why each woman is different depending on what house you were raised in and what yeah. was instilled in you so i think that you know for us communicating and being really transparent with one another bringing it back to spiritual oneness because that's what that is mm -hmm. you're totally naked mm -hmm. like body soul and spirit mm -hmm. in front of another person right so in other words when you're in a deep pocket of a relationship intimately mm -hmm. sexually it's like i know everything that she's thinking at that moment if it's dark mm -hmm. if it's light mm -hmm. if it's doubt if it's lust mm -hmm. if it's love 
And guess what? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Right. See, I'm not intimidated by that. And and so exactly. you get to a place where none of that intimidates you. She wrote a book in she wrote a chapter in the book about jealousy. Right. You know, and how inward confidence yeah. is powerful. Right. And women can get and men can too. Men are different. You know, you talk to a guy and all of a sudden it's like you were talking to him. Yeah. You know, and it, you know, yeah. he's in a funk for fifty minutes. <laughs> a woman, you know, if if a guy looks at a woman or happens to get trapped in porn all of a sudden it turns and it's about her yeah i'm not good enough and yeah. she's thinking she's thinking of her exterior she's thinking of things that she shouldn't be thinking of and you're saying women need to stop doing that they need my yes. wife talks a lot about that i would love for you to expand on that because i have a lot of friends like and all of us we've gone through that situation where i have one friend who had a horrible situation with this guy and they broke up and you know stories been told a million times and all she says is what's wrong with me mm-hmm. why can't mm-hmm. i get married why can't i find a boy but what's wrong there's nothing wrong with her right. what's What's wrong with her now is how sad she is and how sad it's made her. Well, we talk about inner confidence in the book. That's what I I talk about. And it's it's such a great turn on for a man Mm -hmm. when a woman has that inner confidence. confidence. Which is what they have in the beginning when they think they're being pursued, right? Exactly. And and I'll tell you a story. Uh, In the book, I talk about um, King Solomon and he had a harem. I mean, he had the most beautiful women in the world. Okay. It, most of them were royalty. Right. And they were dressed from head to toe, and they were probably filled with a lot of inner confidence. But um, Abishag, who we believe is the woman that Solomon was really in love with, mm-hmm. um, he, she got his attention because of her inner beauty, her inner confidence, because who she knew who she was. Yeah. Yeah. And she knew how to capture his heart. And I can totally understand that. That's a big that. part of this yeah. story and of the book. Yeah, I it really, really like that part. She was of the just book. a country girl. Yeah. And, you know, Patty does an outstanding job in that chapter talking about that. You know, as a woman, do you not think that she had emotions? Like mm-hmm. she's watching the king go into the harem, coming back two right. days later, and everybody's smirking at her when he leaves mm-hmm. the right. tent. Right. And how did she handle that? Outstandingly. Not, right. And she was not Because he kept coming back them. to her. Mm-hmm. So will you just tell yourself not to be threatened and maintain that confidence, whether it kills you or not? So are you telling people to you pretend know, you see, to be I take, confident? I take be? that jealousy mm-hmm. and I use it for my benefit. Now, okay. if I, um, I have a very good-looking husband. And I, you guys I see, are a good-looking couple. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And, um, you know, I see women, you know, their heads do the double take mm-hmm. to my husband and I use it for my benefit. I take that jealousy and you know, the Bible talks about how God is a jealous God and um, he wants us for our, for our, for, his, for himself mm-hmm. but I take that jealousy and I use it and I allow the fires to burn within me to capture his tension, to turn his neck towards me right. by it makes you more confident yes, by adv- instead of destroying your ego. Exactly. And not only that, on a man's end, I do the same thing. Yeah. See, so when you're a boy, yeah. and you know, we were at Bobby Flay's in the Brigada, and some old guy came over and kissed my wife on the cheek while I was having dinner. Now, my instinct as a man says, you know, when's the last time you washed your mouth? Get your lips off my wife. I'm right. kind of a germ phobe. Yes. It bothered me. That bothered me more than the kiss. And so then his friends were there, and they all like got up off the table, and they apologized. And they said, oh, you know, excuse me. His wife just passed away from cancer a few weeks ago. And then he had tears in his eyes. I'm glad that I didn't get in any okay. kind of altercation. Okay. okay. <laughs> now, most guys won't even think that far ahead. Yeah. You know, and so, like, I turn it, too. So, yeah. you know, she's a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. And there's guys sure that are 25 and 30 that look at her. Right. Yeah. And so I'm not going to be like, did I see you look at him? 
That's like immature. Yeah, and that's so. Rather than do that, you know what I'll say to her? What? That felt good, huh? <sighs> sure did. Right. That's so amazing. now I just spun the whole thing. Wow. So now I spun the entire thing, and, and that and all that says is that I'm confident in my yeah. skin. It does not bother me. Yeah. You're and guess what that does? It doesn't turn her on to the guy. Mm-hmm. It turns her on to me. Exactly. Isn't that it's a secret. So you but guys, it's, it's an secret, amazing but, truth. But that, you guys have learned to have a communication between the two of you that isn't cluttered with ego. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And she mentioned mm-hmm. that humility, yeah. and that's really what it is. It's like you know we're serving each other, we're humbling each other, we're we're I am really all about the same thing she is. Mm-hmm. What right. can I do for you? Exactly. How and do I, I serve you? And if How I do see I a beautiful you? woman, I will, I'll, I'll, you know, pick her out and I'll say, honey, don't you think she's beautiful? You know, we always right. talk about, okay, do women dress for other women or do we dress for our spouse or do we, you know, do we dress for men? Well, who do we dress for? It doesn't really matter mm-hmm. because God made us all beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I try to see beauty in everyone I meet. And um, so when there's somebody who's really beautiful, I'm like, honey, she's really pretty. Right. You know, she's really beautiful. Admire her. And that's I part, allow that goes him to, to your, admire. That goes to your self-confidence, It though, does. Because I was at a party once, and um, I was with this guy who was hitting on me, and this girl walked up to us who was my friend, and I had no problems saying that she was beautiful in front of the guy who was hitting on me. Well, then he turned around and asked her out. (laughs) And all of my friends were like, you shouldn't have called her beautiful. That made him want her. I'm like, you know what? If that made him want her, then I don't want him. That's, you know? that's right. And Absolutely. I really didn't care. Because he kept, didn't see your inner I confidence. did not care. You know, like, well, if you that know, some, made guy, him, some guys are just immature. Yeah. And so they don't know that beauty can fade. So if yeah. a woman has six kids, she, we had six. We lost one. You know, in, in, in those moments, she doesn't look... 24, 22, 21 when I met her anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, she's got a kid in her stomach. Right. And and so guys need to get past the outer thing yeah. and look deep. And and so and so do women. Yeah. They they need to do the same thing. Funny thing happened to us we were celebrating 30 years when we were in Cancun. And I have a friend that um, grew up in Lebanon, and he would always tell me, him and his wife, go see belly dancers. I didn't even know what that meant. I never saw one. So they were having like belly dancers. belly dance? Okay. They were having belly dancers. So we were sitting down, having dinner, and all of a sudden they came out, uh-huh. you know, and we're sitting there. And amazing talent, balancing right. swords on their noses wow. and on their necks, and much more than I would have ever thought wow. of. You know, when you okay. think of it, it's like anything. else. oh, it's sexual. But, it, you know, the movement erotic. obviously yeah. is, it's but erotic. it's an art. So went on for like 20 minutes, and then they came to the tables where all the couples were sitting and they got close and they smiled. My wife is like cool and I'm cool. It's no mm-hmm. big thing. She's mm-hmm. beautiful. I'm going back to the bedroom with her. Right. No, nothing <laughs> happened. But when it ended, it was hilarious. All of a sudden, about three or four women, there were probably 20 couples there, darted. They just darted. They just and the guys, their husbands, were like chasing after him, patting him on the back, <laughs> like looking for forgiveness for doing nothing, for probably just sitting there. When they came over and danced, maybe he did that with his head or his <laughs> eye went too quick yeah. or too long. Mm-hmm. And that intimidation will destroy a relationship, yeah. whether you're dating, whether you're engaged, or whether you're married. doesn't matter how many years. See, women need to go. realize that men are, men are very visual. And, you know, I'm a real rare bird because mm-hmm. I'm very visual myself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but women have to realize that men need to see things and it's okay for them to see things what do you mean we don't need to be things on other yeah lights on okay oh i see what you mean yeah she's a lights on girl i got it so like in the bedroom you need to see things yes Yes, she talks about that the power of the stare you know in in one of the chapters and and you know visually 
and what happened with her, and she tells a story in the book, is you know she was at a bioidentical doctor getting hormones and getting her levels checked, and the doctor says to her, your testosterone levels, Trisha, are really, really low. How is your sex drive? And she laughed at her and said, and this is like a couple years ago, it's never been higher. And it's she explained to her about staring and about being visual yeah. and about how that affects your brain. And she said to her, you're like, you're a phenomenon. And we write about that in the book because it's a real thing. Well, it's really funny because you talk about staring. I was um, talking with a friend of mine who's a, a, a matchmaker, and he said the way a woman can attract a man, like say that you're in a horrible nightclub and you know, whatever, it's the stare. Yeah. You just have to look at someone for five seconds. I can't get past two. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, what you're saying is don't forget get that well into your marriage. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Talking all things beauty from the skin to the soul. This is Glammere with Dr. Taba Samir. You've had five kids together. You've had six and now five. And I want to talk about something that you guys have in the book. Because I see with my um, close people in my life having kids, how it's made them two different people in a marriage. Mm -hmm. And you say American parenting is killing the American marriage. Mm -hmm. And I found that so fascinating. And I'd love for you to speak to that. Too many mothers put their kids before their husbands. Okay. At the dinner table, they'll feed their kids first before they feed their husband. Um, they'll be going out, doing shopping, doing things and errands for their kids and taking them to soccer and taking them here before they'll ever think of their husbands first. I would, I would say to the women out there, the wives out there, put your husband first. If you put your husband first, your husband will always be first. Mm -hmm. So when the, the well, your the, husband the, came first, right? Yes, and exactly. so I think he gave having, you the kids. That's the thing that I, I find that I could, if I were a husband, I would be a little bit like annoyed that you and you still love me, and now you're not paying. I see it with my friends who are married, and I see it with their husbands. Old order traditional people will hear what we're saying and say they're selfish, mm -hmm. they're bad parents. Just mm -hmm. like we cited in the book, that person that brought that out and mm -hmm. went on New York Times and talked about it, they were going to crucify her. But when you when she feeds me first, she's telling the kids that he's honored yes. at this table uh, yes. so there's things that you know we do with one another we let we send them messages to one another that guess what see this between me and her mm -hmm. this is rock-solid secure mm -hmm. right and that does more than getting your kid to soccer on time and forgetting to call your husband and say I miss you I love you That's right. and to be there for him or for me to be there for her mm -hmm. so it works both ways so yeah this perfect parenting thing is really big right now yeah I right. mean it's it's invaded uh, our, our culture totally where we see parents that 10 15 years ago would have their kids in church during the week they never have their kids in church there aren't too many extracurricular activities yeah, well, it's last it's not even important I, anymore. I get lots of medical journals and one of the things that it does say is that anxiety 
is is that like at high levels with kids now because they're overbooked. Right. Like and they, ha- they seven have to perform. Old, yeah, like a seven-year-old can't just chill. I was a very highly motivated kid, and not going to lie, I'm not going to pretend I wasn't, but I spent a lot of time with my family. We always had dinner together no matter what. And now that I'm older, I look at that and I think that's a must-have when I when I yeah. have my own family. Okay. We always had, we didn't have our phones, although there weren't cell phones you know, <laughs> when I was a kid, but I'm just saying, like, we didn't have that and the TV wasn't on it was family time Um, you know and I I, I see a lot of my friends and I see the women feeling guilt a massive massive guilt if they don't do everything possible for their children at the expense of their marriage and I'm not a mother so I don't know how to how to ask it without sounding like you know I really don't know the answer and I feel like you guys can shed some light on that does it make you a bad parent to put your husband or your wife before your kids? Absolutely not, because what happens when the kid turns 18 and goes off to college? Yeah. And then there's you have the you empty have strangers syndrome. living in the syndrome. house. And yeah. yeah, you're That's strangers. A lot you have to start all over really again. Yeah. As of late, we've had some of that. We've been experiencing some of that with people where, the, you know, the three kids or the four kids are gone now, and they look at one, one, one another, and they really don't know each other anymore. And they've raised good kids. You know, they've got them to school, and they're up and out and on their way. But now the marriage is destroyed, and the kids are very confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're extremely confused because they feel like looking back, especially and in the faith, that mm-hmm. it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And was it a lie? Mm-hmm. And so all these things that you trained me to do didn't work for you, and they're very disenchanted with faith. They just don't faith. believe in it, yeah. No, and, the, and, the, and you usually have a rebound effect. It's very negative. So mm-hmm. I think, and that's why we feel... At first, I have to admit, you know, I, I was a little offended at first because I thought like this. I thought, okay, if a guy that's been faithful to his wife for over 30 years, and we've been married for over 30 years, and I've had six kids, and I'm a pastor for over 30 years, can't write a book on traditional marriage mm-hmm. and sex, right. who's authorized to do that? Right. Are you kidding me? So, yeah, that kind of like yeah. sat me down. I really <laughs> think about that for a couple of weeks when right. they <laughs> turned up the heat. But then I realized it's like the, the message that we have, people need to hear it because we're talking about situations that are real life situations that people have made these mistakes and you don't realize it when you're making them. You think you're doing a good thing and being a good parent, but the jury's out. You have to wait until the kids are gone. And if you didn't sow or plant things into your marriage that are really important in those years, and it's difficult, but like anything else, nothing will live without being fed. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have to feed your marriage. So you feed your kids. You know, you give them what they need, but you have to feed your marriage too. You can't neglect it. Well, it's funny because when I asked you, do you put your um, significant other first, that doesn't mean you're not paying attention to your kids. It means that you're keeping your bond strong. So I guess, that, mm-hmm. I guess you know, a lot of people I know that are married, and I'm talking first kid, they're really overwhelmed in the beginning because it's a newborn yes. and they're just mm-hmm. pulling their hair out. Obviously, is that a good time to start this whole putting your spouse first? Like, how oh, can they start it, yes. in the beginning? Like, you don't want to yeah. wait till the kid's five years old because you've got five years of, you know, potential neglect. Between. No, no, no. The, at the at the very it always, it should always be our spouses are first. Always, always, well, always, always, kid, always. We talk about you know, you know getting the kid out of the bedroom. Yeah. So there you go. Right. The baby room. sleeping in you know in between. You got to make that move. <laughs> you have to make that move. You, you have know, to. You, uh, the time it, is is right, it a yes. year? Is it two years? Is it three years? Well, you got You got to you gotta make that move. I know couples whose kids are seven years old and they're still sleeping. You know what yeah. I mean? Like See, they're not sleeping together. See, my kids know it's that my fix. door is locked. Yeah. You don't, you don't even knock <laughs> unless the house is on fire or you're in an emergency. So you set those boundaries so the kids have respect for both of you, not trying to put you against the other. And they know exactly what mommy and daddy are doing. Right. Okay. 
Okay. Are your kids embarrassed by your book and by your openness with the sex and not talking about it? No. No, they're not even a little bit. No, actually, they're older, and my my they're, my, they're my youngest our youngest is nine. Yeah. And she's just cute about it, yeah. you know, and and um, because like when we talk about that, or when Patty's sitting in my lap, or mm-hmm. you know, we're kissing or something, she'll be like, "Okay, I'm leaving the room," but <laughs> inside, but I know must we're instilling. Really no, yeah, yeah, we're instilling yeah. in her that guess what? It's safe. This is yeah. a safe place. We're they secure. Feel secure. You know, I, I read a statistic that the highest fear that middle school kids have is that their parents are going to get divorced. Mm. The highest fear. I think I remember feeling that way too, just because you'd see it happening to other kids. Yeah, and it's rampant. But if there's a fight, they think it's their fault. Yeah, one out of two people, it's going to happen it. to. Nearly fifty percent. That's Crazy. the odds. Now, I had asked you earlier what women want in men. How about what men want in women? Is it this kind of the same thing in reverse, or is there differences? Um, well, for me, you know, I've always said this Patty's to my wife. smiling. I'm I've, trying I've, to know. Because I just, I'm I know really, men want. There is I know so much in your mind. I want you, because either she's grinning from ear to ear looking at you, and that means she has something to say. <laughs> so yeah. please. Because, you know, women are always well, like, what I want in a man, what I want in a man. But let's think about it. What do they want in us? I think they want us to be sexual beings all the time, no matter yeah. what. Yeah, so, there's a lot of competition out there. Yeah, and I think I, I think, have to agree with you because yes. I because I you know I'm like I said I've never been married so I don't want people to hate me for this but you know I've seen couples who get married and you know one year in, you mm-hmm. know they're wearing sweatpants their hair I mean is that terrible to say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, be, be, uh, exactly. being being Keep sexual it together, not for if anything for yourself. Being sexual, and I've always said this, and I think we put it in the book mm-hmm. that if I see a beautiful woman, like she's absolutely beautiful, yeah, and her attitude stinks, mm-hmm. I would, I, I had, there's nothing happening. Well, there's yeah. nothing. And, and if God came down and said yeah. the earth needs to be repopulated, you and you need, I, I'd be like, there's yeah. there's nobody coming. <laughs> it's not happening. Guess what? It's over. You know? Yeah. yeah. So for me, sexuality, as she's talking about, is something from the inside out yeah. a woman right. can be way overweight and keep her face right and take care of the things that, that cause her to be beautiful because there's beauty in every person right and every person and, right? and, to, to and all point, of a sudden yeah. have something on the inside yes. that makes you feel like whoa wait a minute what did I just feel well that's what I was just so it's not say. all about oh how do you look on a run are you like a runway model mm-hmm. you know do you can you get in a centerfold I mean a lot of people think that way it's it's but sexy with men, sexy right. is defined differently exactly yeah, absolutely we have to, we have to be sexy Sexual beings. Patty, and what do men want? What yeah. do men want? They want us to be sexual beings. Yes, I, I, but I know how uh-huh. to turn my husband's neck towards me. Okay, like that. Okay, how? And uh, <laughs> I have, I call them, I call them my five stones, David's five stones, and I, ha- I, I have a few of them. That some of them are, are secrets, uh-huh. but like one of them is, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go there. Okay? Yeah, no, okay? please. All right. If I if I need to get my husband's attention because I have desires uh-huh. and I want them fulfilled yeah. because I'm very sexual yeah. being and I, I have very high sex drive, um, I will unrobe uh-huh. and just start pleasuring myself, and then. Do you think that he's going to stay on his computer? <laughs> no, no way. <laughs> no, and or I text it. I, I videotape myself, uh-huh. and he's he's up the stairs within thirty seconds. Do you know what I love about this conversation is that I'm talking to pastors that are highly you know faith oriented, and I know that you guys are, and you can talk this way, and it's okay. Yeah, like, people need to be okay I with know. all of this. Yeah. Unfortunately, the church would disagree with you. Yeah, but it's but you know they're dying. Yeah, right now. They, they're, they're with, it's a shell game. Yeah. 
you know, and it, there's but nine million people in my state, and I think maybe only a million are going to synagogues, churches, mosques, mm -hmm. Kingdom Hall, well, forget anything about, else you can find. Like, let me tell you, my sister's and, gonna listen to this and be like, oh, what is my sister talking about? But you know, she's been married ten years, and you know, there's her and her husband still flirt with each other. It's yeah. very cute, and yeah. you guys talk about that, mm -hmm. remembering to flirt with each other. Like Always. you guys, have oh been yeah, every day this whole time. I mean, one, <laughs> one of the things day. that's cool is that you know every sometimes day. we'll just go out, we'll go out to dinner, right? And we, we'll, oh, you know, you had a half hour wait at the bar. Mm -hmm. Okay, you want to sit at the bar and wait? No, we don't want to eat at the bar, but we'll go over there and you know have yeah. a club soda with lime or something uh -huh. and just hang out. But sometimes what we'll do is like you go over there and I'll go over here, mm -hmm. and we'll wait the twenty minutes, thirty minutes, and Apart? we'll just flirt. Yes. That's and we'll just see what goes on. And so let's see what happens. See, these are all really cute tips. You know, it, it, because, <laughs> you like I said, stand we're, on the other side. Yes, because we're comfortable on our own like skin, that. so it doesn't even matter. Like, if anything was really pressing, then I would just come over and I would just say, come on, sweetheart, let's dance. And what's a guy going to do? Slug me? You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, he doesn't know what's going right? on. We're using him. Yeah. <laughs> that's and right. it's, it's what we're doing. But, you, you know, know, that's very interesting because you are allowing each other to be yourself because you're both so confident in the love you have for each other. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, and I'm just sitting here and I kind of read a lot about people and I'm getting a lot from you of like, you're sort of like, you're talking about King Solomon and his like harem of women and this is from much respect. I could see you being like one of like those women of confidence and like, and she is totally that a terrible is. thing to say? Because no, I don't mean it that way. She's full of confidence. Confidence, and... beauty, sophistication. You are sitting here with absolute confidence and when your husband's talking, you just look at him and it's like, you know what he's going to say, you know what he's thinking. I do. Yeah. So we all have this, I believe, we, mm -hmm. we believe that we everybody has a desire and a drive mm -hmm. in life for something, mm -hmm. you know. And so when you're married and Solomon says, you know, this is what you should do. Enjoy the wife of your youth all the days of your life for right. this is your gift from God. Right. Yeah. You can't get any like more blatant than that. Right. Okay. So when I see men that are addicted to their job or I see a lot of men that are addicted to their ministries, you know, in the name of G.O.D. Mm -hmm. And so it's all about saving the world. Mm -hmm. But behind the veneer is the same thing that you're going to see. Like I was at Baja Fresh. I watched a 300 pound guy sit at a table and he turned the table into a an altar. He had beans and rice right. and chicken and three sodas and everything was lying. himself. He had everything lined up. It was perfect. And then he walked away and he looked at it and he came back. <laughs> I had to get out. It yeah. was like a worship service yeah, for like for a food. half an hour yeah. that went on. Now that guy's consumed. He's thinking about food every second of every right. day. The guy that's running a ministry or running churches or whatever he's doing, he's thinking about that every day. Or maybe somebody's thinking about their grandkids every day because they were lucky they dodged the bullet of their marriage when mm -hmm. the kids left, but their kids had kids real quick, so they shifted it, smoke and mirrors. Yeah. It's about the grandkids. But when they look in the eyes of their wife or they look in the eyes of their husband, they don't have spiritual oneness. Mm -hmm. It's not there. Mm -hmm. So what we're talking about to them can be very intimidating, and it did get intimidating. Yeah. We had an exodus of people, unfortunately, right. just from our congregation, because Patty's telling people that are older than her, you're not too old to have sex. We know people that are in their 80s and are active. Right. Yes. So when you, first time I heard it, I was like, really? Yeah. I, like, I winced, like, whoa, mm -hmm. get that vision out of my head, right. right? But then you realize that it's really legitimate. They have like great, fond, deep affection for some, for one another. Something that you really can't even comprehend as like a 40-year-old. You're wrapping your head around it. How does that work, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it goes deeper than just flesh. 
And that drives you to have something spiritually that other people don't have. So initially it sounds, could be intimidating to people. Mm -hmm. And then wives are like, let's get out of here because you're gonna want me to perform like that. Right. So let's let's, let's leave this nest. So that that kinda happens. So, you know, then you get young people coming in that are interested in their 30s or 40s. And, you know, they're more interested in those that are in their 50s or 60s. You talk a lot about letting go of that kind of way of thinking, you know, like Mm -hmm. let that go, be open to it. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure a lot of the exodus was from people who weren't open to it. No, not at all. Right. And, yeah, and, 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 and scared to death that their kids are going to hear about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because this same message, we spoke to a lot of those people in 2002, but their kids were three, so their kids weren't really around to yeah. hear it. And they were all clapping and laughing and having fun. But then we write the book, and their kids are teenagers, and they're saying, let's get the kids out of here. Yeah. See, so there's a hypocrisy there that doesn't really feel good. And uh, you have to pay attention to those signs, mm-hmm. because those signs are really green lights to keep going. Right. You know, when, when the church went on lockdown in the era of rock and roll all the greatest musicians starting with Elvis Presley said if you don't need me here that's fine mm-hmm. someone else will take me RCA Victor they'll take they want me and, and they leave and you hear that often about when many times things happen in the church Whitney Houston grew up in the church she sang in the choir they get to a place where there's no room for them yeah We feel that our creator just says, there's plenty of people out here that need to hear what you have to say. Right. And then all of a sudden doors open up. Well, judgment comes from other people, right? That's really where it comes from. People Mm -hmm. who think that they know better or that that their way is the right way. featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Talking all things beauty from the skin to the soul. This is Glam Mirror with Dr. Taba Samir. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.